0: Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast Fringes of the Faith. I'm Paul Henderson, Administrative Pastor of Capstone Church. and Next to me is Parky Coburn, Senior Pastor of Capstone Church. And thank you for joining me today, Pastor Parkey. Well, it's always
1: my pleasure, uh, Pastor Paul. I, I love doing these podcasts with you because, you know, we get to talk uh, about subjects that are of interest to people. And, and some of those subjects... Uh, are not necessarily covered in, in pulpit discussions or even sometimes in classroom studies. And so uh, I enjoy this very much and I enjoy spending time with all of you out there. And today we are going to be talking about the rapture. We're actually gonna finish the discussion we started last week.
0: That's right, that's right. And and if you have any topics, mm-hmm. if you have any topics out there that you'd like to to for us to tackle or to hear about, I just send us an email, info at church, or comment in the section below. Well, as as you were saying, this is part two of episode five, which is on the rapture, the harpazo, the rapturo, or as mm-hmm. modern day, it'd be called the great abduction. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to continue that. And if you remember in part one, we talked about Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, the the, uh, the first letter to the church in Thessalonica where he describes this event. And what he says is that there will come a day that Jesus told him this directly, that there will be a day in the future that the dead in Christ, those that believed when they died, that they will be raised from the dead. And then those of us who are alive and remain on the earth will be caught up, will be harpazoed, raptured, uh, into the air to be with Jesus in the clouds. Forever, And that sounds like a pretty supernatural, unbelievable, uh, event. And I, I know that there's some believers out there that think that maybe this is a metaphor that think maybe this is just, uh, you know, Paul's off his rocker. Or he, he got misguided information or something. But, uh, as we talked about in part one, if you missed it, I encourage you to go back and watch it. We talked about, this isn't the only time a rapture has ever occurred.
1: Well, sure. Uh, there's been other uh, resurrection type events happen in the Bible, not type events, but actual resurrections. Uh, as far as rapture type events, you had the uh, prophet Elijah in the Old Testament caught up in the chariots of fire. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Enoch mm-hmm. walking with God and, and was uh, was not. And, and then, you know, Jesus himself, Jesus himself, when when he had finished his work on the earth, he was caught up into the clouds as his disciples watched.
0: Yeah, and, and what did the angel say? He the same Jesus. The
1: same Jesus says, you have seen go will come again in like manner that you
0: have seen him leave. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, uh, I know you do, but if you guys remember out there that we ended part one, you made a statement about Jesus himself actually talked about uh, the event known as the rapture. Yeah, he did. He. Uh,
1: well, I, I want to go back and touch on something you said a little earlier, okay. you know Paul okay. being off his rocker. You know, if Paul was off his rocker and this was all uh, stuff of a crazy man, he was willing to die for it. And so were a lot of others uh, who who knew this truth as well and who believed it. And so. Uh, but. The disciples were not the only one that spoke about this. As you said, Jesus himself, uh, the author of our faith and the finisher, the Bible says, of our faith, the one who will bring everything to a conclusion, he spoke about this event as well.
0: He did. And, it, and, and you know as well as I do, when Jesus spoke, uh, especially to the crowds, uh, he spoke in parables. Mm-hmm. And there's a specific parable that he spoke about that really paints a perfect picture of what the church age, what the church, what the earth, the believers, what that will look like at the time mm-hmm. of the rapture of, of him returning to gather his elect up. And we read about this parable in Matthew chapter 25. Yeah. And here's the thing. If you remember, chapter 24 is the Olivet the discourse. This is where Jesus is describing the end of uh, what things are going to be taking place at the very end. And so then he goes on to further, explained in a parable for those that have ears to hear and eyes to see, he explains a little bit more about, okay, now this is for the you. This is for the disciples. This is for the believers. For those of you who study my word, who meditate on my word and who are in a relationship with me. And this is a parable about the 10 virgins. Now here, here's kind of the insight. What is a virgin? A virgin is pure, Mm -hmm. unsoiled, Mm -hmm. uh, undefiled, and that is a picture of a bride, mm-hmm. right? Are you with me? Yes. Okay, so it's a picture of the followers of Christ because the church is the bride of Christ. We know that from other scriptures. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, the same metaphor was used prophetically to describe Israel mm-hmm. in right standing with God, O virgin Israel. Yes. And so you're exactly right. We we must, according to scripture and, and what we've seen before, take that as being... When Jesus is describing virgins, he's talking about people who are, are, are people who are pure or who are people who are attached in some form or fashion to God.
0: That's right. And here's, here's something else too. Um, it's a parable about 10 virgins. Mm-hmm. And, and since there are 10 of them, there 10 indicates is the number it indicates completion or fullness. Uh, and. We talk about, well, the completion and and fullness of what? And since there are ten virgins, ten believers um, of the church, then this is the fullness of the dispensation of the church age, Mm -hmm. meaning that this parable is talking about the very end of the church age. Yes. And of these ten virgins, let's let's call them Christians or believers, there are five wise, Mm -hmm. but then there are five foolish. Now, all ten are believers. You have five wise believers. And you've got five foolish believers and the number five in Hebrew has several significant meanings. Yeah. Uh, one meaning is to be saved or rescued. That's exactly right. And
1: there's another meaning of, uh, of five as well. And that, that's the in connotation of grace mm-hmm. and that all salvation, uh, is, is a work of God. It's a work of God. But as you said, so importantly earlier that, Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 helps us not only know when and what's going to be happening surrounding these events and what's going to happen right before they happen, but the Lord not wanting anyone to miss this important appointment with him in his second return begins to give us some pretty explicit directions so that we will not be self-deceived thinking we're doing okay when we're actually not, that we're actually prepared for the coming of the Lord when, when really we're not.
0: And that there's another interesting uh, meaning to the number five, since you've got 10 is completeness and a fullness. Mm-hmm. Five is right in the middle. It's right in the middle. Uh, you could consider that to be the balance. Mm-hmm. Five is a balance between the physical and the spiritual. It's a picture of God's grace and favor. But when it's used in this, uh, in this parable, it appears also to be a picture of, uh, of, since they're five foolish of an unbalanced lifestyle or um, a division, like it's dividing right in the middle. Mm-hmm. So there's division there as well. And so the wise believers in this parables are those that are continuing in their faith. They are staying in the course. They're producing fruit uh, because they have the oil burning in them. That's what the parable points out, that they are there is the oil. In. And we're not going to read the parable. Because I want you guys to do that. I want, I, would, I want to go through this exercise of of looking at this parable from a different lens, from a different perspective, but then you guys going back and reading it and seeing if it lines up in your spirit, because I believe it will. I believe it will. And so the foolish believers have fallen away. They're not producing fruit. Their flame has gone out, and they're living a carnal, materialistic life while claiming to be Christian.
1: Yeah, so they still have a lamp, mm-hmm. which is interesting because a lot of times in the scripture lamp is a lamp is indicative of the spirit, okay? And each one of us have a spirit within us. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we have a component of us that's spirit, but the problem is, is their 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 spirit has gone out. It's not on fire anymore, right. and the only thing that could produce that fire was the oil. Mm-hmm. And the oil is indicative of the Holy Spirit. The that's Holy good. Spirit
0: active in them. That's good. And I look at the lamp without oil is nothing but an empty vessel.
1: It it is. It's not doing what it was intended to do. And I think that's an important point. You know, salvation is intended to produce something. We don't work our way into salvation. We get there by faith as the number five is one of the things that shows us Mm -hmm. is by grace. But when God comes into us, it produces evidence and And that's uh what it does in our lives, and so a lamp with no fire,
0: what good is it? It's not fulfilling its purpose and and here's kind of the, the where the balance comes in the the balancing point of the number five and then being foolish is that these five foolish believers they haven't achieved the balance between the physical and the spiritual they they've allowed the physical world to overshadow their spiritual lives. And so that's why they're five foolish believers. They've fallen away from the faith because they've Mm -hmm. gone after the worldly things. Yes. So,
1: yes, Uh, you know, right. They're, they're not tending their spiritual life. They're not tending it. They're being very casual with it. Uh, they're ignoring it. It's on the back burner. It's on the back burner. And, uh, casual is the root word of another word we don't like, which is casualty. And so ca- being casual can lead to you being a casualty like it does in this story.
0: So good. So let's jump, uh, if you remember from part one, we were looking at 2 Thessalonians mm-hmm. uh, chapter 1, verse three. Let's let let's jump back there real quick because Paul says to the church, not to be carried away or deceived by false doctrine. He then says that before this gathering, the harpazo, the rapturo, or the rapture, that a falling away comes. Mm-hmm. So looking back at the parable of the virgins, we see this falling away by the foolish believers. And I believe that this is a picture of what Christianity will be like during the time leading right up to the rapture, to the time that the bridegroom opens the door for his bride and only a few will be able to enter.
1: Well, that goes along with what Jesus said. He said, enter through the narrow gate he said because there will be many who will try to enter and will not be able to and uh in particular i think what that's a reference to when you team that with this story is they they didn't take care of their spiritual life it became uh, something less than their first priority in their life and uh and so therefore they weren't able to enter in a place that they really wanted to be able to go in somewhere down inside of them but they weren't able to
0: and that that brings up a good point which is that if you're putting anything other than god first in your life wow
1: well that's basically folks uh akin to idolatry mm-hmm. i mean there's really no difference between that and idolatry uh you know i i we're so divorced from idolatry now uh you know because we don't really in the Western world don't live in a world that worships statues or something like that. But, but idolatry in the Bible uh, is much more expansive than that. It's, it's the, the worship of anything before God, the putting of anything before God, the esteeming of anything before him. So,
0: so let's, let's go back to this, this picture, this idea of 10 virgins and five of them, half of them being um, foolish. It's interesting that only 50% of the this completion or the fullness of the church only 50% are living for Christ with the fire of the Holy Spirit that's actively operating in their lives how do we know that it's operating in their lives they produce fruit okay mm-hmm. the latest poll among Christians today indicates that less than 15 15 one five, 15% of professing believers read the bible around 39% attend church services now this is of christians that were polled
1: right uh that's christians that's christians and and uh i saw another poll recently that that was done by barn i believe that said that 30 percent of of evangelicals evangelicals those are people who profess to believe the bible uh, believe that Jesus led a sinless life. Uh, I I mean, 30% don't believe that 30% of evangelicals do not believe that. And, and so guys, what we're talking about is the importance of the word too. I mean, if you're not going to read the word and follow the word, then you're making Christianity up as you go along.
0: Yeah, that, that is, (laughs) that's something that, that I've heard you say over and over again. And it's something that, that really is a great illustration about what happens if you are watching pastor youtube all the time or you're getting your information from social media about scripture folks you need to be reading this for yourself you really do and and you need
1: to be attached to a body pastor paul and i probably are at some point in time gonna to do a podcast for you about the church being in crisis and and what's going on and there's so many people That have detached from the body nowadays and uh, detachment is a very dangerous thing and it's not the way we're intended to live and 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 so we'll touch on that at another time
0: so i think another interesting point here is that you know the latest the latest poll which is post-covid uh says that 39 percent attend church services not now you've got to throw COVID into that mix without a doubt okay But is it possible, and I want to get your, your thoughts on this, is it possible that COVID set up the conditions ripe for the parable of the ten virgins to manifest?
1: Well, <laughs> I, I guarantee you, yes, it's part of it. Uh, if to say that you don't think it is, then then that's equating to saying God doesn't know the future and he doesn't know what's going to happen and that he's – up in heaven responding to events rather than uh, having to know the end from the beginning. Um, you know, uh, life is a challenge, but life was a challenge in the first century when the church was born. And and so uh, we, and I know this is a little bit off the, cu- off the subject, well, not really exactly, but we have got to decide in these days, guys, how are we going to live? Are we going to fulfill our calling? Are we going to have our lamps burning? Or are we going to be a part of the body of Christ that locks ourselves away in fear?
0: That's good. So let's look at one more element that Jesus throws in here with this parable of the 10 virgin. He says that all 10, mm-hmm. all 10 believers, all 10 virgins fell asleep because the bridegroom was delayed. The bridegroom was gone longer than they expected him to be gone. And then uh, what is that a picture of in your mind when, when you hear that?
1: That's a really great question. I've thought about that several times. I think, of course, it is an indication that the coming of the Lord was something that was going to be down the road in history. It was not going to be an immediate event. You know, in the first podcast, we kind of touched on the dece- uh, the deception that was coming into the early church about the, the rapture had already occurred. Mm-hmm. And if people would have gone back in context and remember Jesus's words, they would have known that wasn't true. He said it would be a long time before he came, but also, I also think that it it, it it takes a little pressure off of us in the fact that the Lord's not expecting us to be perfect. Thank God. Uh, perfect. He's expecting us, though, to keep our lamps burning and to be living for Him.
0: Mm-hmm. And so all ten are asleep because the bridegroom was mm-hmm. delayed in coming. And then for, for whatever reason, they're suddenly awakened by a call to get ready. Now, this isn't the rapture. They wake up. Something causes the church to wake up. There's a there's a call that says, you better get ready. You better get ready. And I believe that this is the call that's been going out from the pulpits of born-again pastors trying to get their congregations to wake up. And I think, really, it really got loud after nine eleven. And if you've been in church for the last 10 years, you can see this calling gaining even more volume. The call is getting louder and louder because the world is getting darker and darker. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, it it is right now. uh, One of the things that's happening is the light and the darkness are being separated Mm -hmm. Uh, just like it was on the very first day of creation. God separated light from darkness and that's really a prophetic picture of what happened on that very first day of creation is a prophetic picture of the whole purpose of this life, this existence that we live on earth to separate light from darkness. And right now we are in this dispensation that that has just seemed like that that has increased or sped up. The Bible does tell us in the last days the plowman will overtake the reaper. And that things are speeding up. And uh every weakness that we have, every area where we're not right with God is being revealed right now. But the good news is is that there's still time. God's voice is going out saying, get right, the bridegroom is at the door.
0: That's right. And so in this parable, 50% had the oil of the Holy Spirit active within them. They're ready. Mm -hmm. Their wicks are trimmed and the flame of their lamps lights up the areas around them. Now, when you trim a wick, you've got oil and Mm -hmm. you you, you trim your wick. The reason that you trim your wick is so that the flame can reach its highest possible point. If you don't have a wick to trim, Mm -hmm. that's not going to happen. If you don't trim your wick, it's never going to reach the highest point. And trimming the wick is, 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 an, is a, an example or an illustration uh, of sanctification, the sanctification process. So these 50% that trimmed their, their, their wicks and they had their, their lamps, they were lighting up the areas around them. They're actively fulfilling the great commission. They're being obedient to the commands of Jesus. But the other 50%, uh, they didn't have enough oil to trim their wicks or to even produce a flame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so they leave, they leave to go find oil for themselves. And I know that the five wise virgins, they asked them for their oil and they said, you gotta go get the oil for yourself. I really, I really feel like, and this is just me, this is not based in, 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 you know, black and white scripture, but I really feel like what this is saying about these five foolish virgins is that they left the faith to search for other things to fill the void in their lives. That they once had the oil, but then they left. It says they left to find oil, to go buy oil for themselves. And I, and I know that that's a little bit of opposite of, of what's been taught about them wanting the oil, the Holy Spirit from the five wise believers. And they tell them, we can't give you what we have. There might not be enough for all of us, but I think it's also a, a layered picture of these five foolish versions, leaving the faith, going after the worldly things to fill their vessels with something other than the Holy spirit,
1: you know, um, and we won't stone you if your belief is, is not right. Okay. Uh, because as soon as we pick up stones to stone you, then we'll be stoned over <laughs> another point that we're not exactly right on either. But, but, uh, I, whatever the case here, pastor Paul, um, uh, You can't live on association. Oh, well, I'm associated with this group. They had to have oil. Mm -hmm. They had to have oil, and there were only very few places to get it. And you couldn't live off somebody else's power and faith. You had to tend your own. You had to have it for yourself. And so there are some very, very powerful and meaningful things uh, that can be brought out of this story.
0: Yeah. And so they've left uh, to go buy oil for themselves, and the bridegroom crump becomes he comes, the door is open, the five wise believers are taken inside, they're gathered together. There's that word, they're gathered, they're harpazzo, which is caught up, but they're gathered together with the groom, and then the door is shut. Now the foolish believers they see this and they see it and, and they try to return because they remember these crazy pastors and these Jesus freaks that kept talking about a day when they'd be gathered together and they called it the rapture. And so this, this triggers that memory and say, Oh, I know what this is. This is the rapture. And so they return and they start banging on the door. They start calling out to God and saying, let us in, let us in. And so what was Jesus's response to that? He says, I don't know you. Okay. And he said it through the door Though he didn't open the door for him. Exactly.
1: I don't know you. You know, here in our church, we've been studying some, some biblical words and we studied the word know. To know something doesn't mean you know it here biblically. Uh, you know, to to Americans, we think to know something means I can recite it. Mm-hmm. I can recite it from memory. Mm-hmm. In the biblical sense, that doesn't necessarily mean you know it. Yes, you have to have it inside of you as a beginning, but you don't really know it until you're acting upon it. That's good. You don't know it until it becomes a part of your actions, a part of your life, a part of your, your transformation. And r- r- Christianity's a relationship and you get all those things through relationship with Jesus, not through religion. Well, we're, we're at the front door of the church. We're connected here. We're ready for the wedding. Uh, you know, we're in, we're positioned correctly and we're good people. We're good people. Well, those things weren't enough. Those things weren't what God was looking for. They're they're not necessarily bad things in and of themselves, but they weren't what God was looking for. God was looking for people who, through a relationship with him, not religion or, or being able to recite facts, but through a relationship with him, were able to be on fire, just like the early disciples were.
0: Uh, that's good and and when you look at this picture when you look at you look at the five wise virgins the five wise believers they go in through the door mm-hmm. I, I look back and i think about the door that john saw opened in heaven i think about the fact that there is a shout of the archangel that said come up here i think about the fact that john was trans transfigured translated into the spirit world then i think about that door shutting and the five foolish Virgins, the believers, um, are, are, I think number one, they're shocked. Uh, I think that mm-hmm. they're, they're totally shocked, caught off guard by this. And then they're, they're lamenting the fact that they weren't let in. And to me, this is a perfect picture of what the rapture will be like. Um, just like you said earlier, uh, narrow is the gate mm-hmm. broad is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate.
1: Why is it narrow? Why is it narrow? We've got still somewhere around 80% of the people in America, according to polling, that say they're Christians. Okay, somewhere around that. Uh, So the the way should be broad. 80% of our population should be going to heaven. But the Lord says that's not going to be the case. And I'm not saying these things to throw you into a conniption of fear. Because the Lord Himself told us what type of attachments we had to have to make it mm-hmm. inside. It wasn't enough to be hanging around outside. If you want to go inside, then you gotta you gotta be on fire. Your spirit's gotta be burning uh with passion for God.
0: And so do you think and I'm asking this question to to you all of you out there listening and watching, do you think that we're living during the time when the fullness of the church has reached its peak? Is Christianity in decline? Is church attendance in decline?
1: I think, I think there's a, a yes and a no to that. Okay. First of all, uh, I believe there is a growth all around the world of the real, the real body of believers. I think there is a great move around the world of people coming in uh, of wise virgins uh, coming into the mm-hmm. church, being birthed into the church. But unfortunately, at the same time that that is happening, I think that we you know, you say, well, some of the, day, uh, the Bible says a great falling away is going to occur before Jesus comes. Well, brothers and sisters, how much more of a falling away does it take to get down to one third uh, of people who really believe the Bible mm-hmm. and and I even saw one poll that said church attendance, if you start chopping away at some some people 's best intentions and maybe stretching uh, the truth a little bit, that actual connection to the body church attendance in the in the Western culture could be somewhere around seventeen percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, that's what I call a falling away.
0: Yeah, me too. And so let me ask you this. Are believers, are they sleeping? Or are they reclining on the, cha- on the couch while the call to repentance, the call to, to get ready is being shouted from the altar and over a live stream feed? Are they sleeping? Or are they just sitting on no, the No, I think they're on? dead. I think it's worse than yeah. that.
1: I, I, I think they're dead. Uh, you know, now in the metaphor, we don't have in the, in the, not a metaphor, but in the parable, we don't have dead people (laughs) in there, but, uh, but, but I believe that spiritually when your fire is out, how, what's the step below that? (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Well, if the fire's out, if it's out, it's out. And, and that puts you in the same category as people who have no fire i mean how how can we delineate between you who has no fire and and unbelievers who have no fire you're in we're in the same situation as them when it comes to that to that place and jesus said hey just because you can spout some things from from memory doesn't mean that that's going to change that changes the uh the status of who you really are and i know you say boy you're being hard i don't mean to be hard I mean to be truthful, uh, and, and the door is closing. The The call is going out. The bridegroom is, is approaching, and so I, I want everybody to be able to go in.
0: And the Lord himself says he wishes none to perish. That's exactly he right. he has tarried and tarried and tarried, hoping and desiring that we would come to the knowledge of him and his love and the gift of salvation that he has for all of us. So let me ask you another question about the current church age. Do we observe believers walking away from the church to go after their own preferences and their own desires? In other words, uh, it looks like people these days are shopping churches like it's a car dealership. Like they're looking for specific features, like some, some like sports cars, some like SUVs, some like uh, luxury vehicles. You know what I'm saying?
1: I understand that sometimes we're attracted to works that have a like, Calling to ours, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, just exalting our personal preferences above what God has told us to do, uh, which is forgive, uh, stay attached, be long suffering. Why did the Lord say be long suffering if we weren't going to suffer sometimes and uh, and that that means i my preferences are not being met when i'm when I'm suffering. And, and we are, you know, sometimes we're, we're kind of like teenagers. We're like spiritual teenagers, teenagers, exalt their own wisdom. Have you ever noticed that they'll, they'll exalt their wisdom. They'll look at their seniors and they'll go, I know more than you. I know what I'm talking about. What you're saying is not going to happen. I really know. And, and they begin to exalt all of that and, and exalt their own desires and their own preferences. And and we're kind of like that a lot nowadays. Well, you know, I don't like the music over here, and I don't like this over here, and I don't like that over there. Well, I've never read in the Bible where the Lord asks us what we like. I haven't seen. He that. said, "Follow me." Mm-hmm. And and so that's what he's looking for for us to follow him.
0: Yeah, and and so so for people to treat the church like a car dealership looking for the latest and greatest features of the day, the technology. Um, I hope maybe that you stop and think for a mean, for a minute, what would Jesus drive? And I'll tell you, Jesus would have driven a Ford Pinto with a hand crank window and an AM radio. Um, he wasn't about features and all, and all that stuff. Uh, as a matter of fact, I mean, he was humble. Uh, he was he wasn't a rich man. Uh, he had nowhere to lay his head. Um, I mean, you, you think of of Jesus, he is the exact opposite of all those things.
1: You know, uh, if there, if you miss the rapture and all of a sudden you realize you missed it and you say, God, I've got to get right with you, and I believe there will be people during the tribulation period that will. They'll call out to God. I believe the Bible tells us that. You're going to have to settle for what you got. There may not be any music in your gathering other than maybe a few people singing a cappella or one guy playing a guitar. You may not have the best preacher around. You're not going to be caring about that. You're going to be caring about attaching yourself to what is true you're gonna be looking for somebody who is preaching the word. You're gonna be looking to stand next to believers regardless of the circumstances that, that long to live for Jesus. So let's get this out of us now. I thank God for all the beautiful things that we have. But right now we need to be exalting in our, in our heart uh, the desire to be with a group of people who love the Lord and and want to follow him in places where truth is being preached regardless if if they sing with uh, uh, a hundred piece orchestra or whether it's a a a man uh, with a violin Mm -hmm. and that's all you've got Mm -hmm. Uh, so let uh, let's let's get ourselves focused on what's important
0: right exactly and and when you look at the current church age and you ask all of those questions, is there a falling away happening? Is church attendance down? Is, is Christianity in decline, at least in the Western part of the world? Um, I mean, the, one president of our United States said that, that America is no longer a Christian nation. Um, look at the issue of, of life right now and, and how many millions of, of innocent people are, are killed. Um, you look at that and, and you say, without a doubt, Absolutely, uh, these questions about the current church age is a resounding yes, and and no one knows. No one knows when the rapture will occur, okay? No one knows except the Lord uh, being the Father. The disciples thought it was going to happen in their days. I mean, they did. It was imminent for them, and, and every generation up to this one has taught that it could happen at any moment, but never Never in the history of the church, especially in America, have we seen the fulfillment of this parable of the ten virgins like we see today. I mean, it is a perfect picture because the church is sleeping. The church is divided. People are relieving the true faith in record numbers. And, you know, no one knows when it's going to occur, but we do know that it will occur. And we're praying that you hear the midnight call to wake up and to trim your lamps. And we're praying that you have enough oil to keep the flame going.
1: Yes, and brothers and sisters, oh, you guys that are listening, nobody can do that for you. That That's something you have to do. You have to to open yourself up to God and cry out for Him and and let Him pour His love upon you and set you on fire with the Holy Spirit of the living God. So that's what we're imploring. You know, remember, just knowing a set of data and being able to recite that is not enough. Uh, We have been raised from the dead. Amen. Okay, we have been raised from the dead, which means our life looks different than it did before.
0: It should. Mm -hmm. It should. Um, Because if it doesn't, uh, if you're living a life of, carnal materialistic uh, things uh, and professing that, you know, Jesus but but maybe you're looking down at your nose at others Mm -hmm. with an arrogant attitude, which is not loving your neighbor. You're Mm -hmm. only 50% of where you need to be. You love the Lord, but you don't love your neighbor, which you could actually question whether or not you love the Lord. Mm -hmm. If you're not willing to love your neighbor, um, if you're sitting in the pews on Sundays or on the bar stool, and strip clubs Monday through Saturday, I've got, um, we've got bad news for you. Uh, When this event called the Rapture happens, you might be one of those foolish banging on the door. And like you said, Pastor Parkey, that if that happens to you, you're not gonna care about the coffee bars and the lattes at church. And you're not gonna care about the air conditioning sanctuaries that that look like um, concert halls. You're not gonna care about the worship music your main focus is going to be, how am I going to survive at this point? And who do I need to hold on to? And the answer is going to be Jesus. The answer that you know, today, that's the answer today. So hold on to it. Grab on to that answer. Um, repent, uh, get back to your first love because he's at the door. Yes, he is. And,
1: and, everybody we're, we're joining you in this process. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're not just saying you need to do this. We're, we're joining you in it. Uh, this is a corporate cry from the entire body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Lord, uh, sanctify us. Lord, set us apart. Lord make us holy. Uh, father set us on fire. So, don't don't look at it as hey, there's a couple of guys who think they know it all or <laughs> think they got it all together sitting there telling us what to do. We're we're joining you mm-hmm. in in this process. And we're all at the door. I mean, the wise and the foolish virgins, we're all at the door together. And so we're with you. Okay, we're with you, waiting for the bridegroom to arrive. And so we're in this together.
0: Amen. Yes. And so in the beginning of the episode or the beginning, yeah, in the episode, I talked about um, how alien abdu- abductions could possibly tie into this rapture question. Mm-hmm. Um, don't laugh. There are people. No, I, I'm not laughing there, about there, that. There, I, there are people. I, you
1: just changed gears on me real fast. I I was, that's why I was laughing. Okay. I did.
0: Yeah. We're, we're getting ready to wrap this up. Uh, uh, but I wanted to tackle uh, this question. Wouldn't it be fitting? Wouldn't it be fitting for the media to report that millions, probably more like thousands of people were abducted by uh, aliens or unidentified aerial phenomenon. Um, and I know I've already seen some comments. Some of you out there are going to say that Jesus is an alien or he's a representative of an alien race coming back to our planet to take us into spacecrafts. Who knows? I mean, Maybe that's what the rapture is. One giant alien abduction. (laughs) I mean, if you think, think about this, if you think about it in technical terms, what does the word extraterrestrial mean? Yeah. It means from outside the earth or its atmosphere. (laughs) So since God created the universe and existed before the earth or the earth, earth's atmosphere, then technically I would say he's an extraterrestrial if you really want to get technical about it. Uh, And and let me say this one thing too. If anyone is an alien, Mm -hmm. it's us. Yeah. Uh, because the word alien means someone belonging to a foreign country or nation we belong as believers to the kingdom of god
1: yeah more likely it's more likely that rather than aliens coming and abducting humans that if god uh if god is an alien then and you're his offspring then you're an alien too so that just <laughs> means he's coming back to get his own his own his yeah. own children you
0: know yep um <laughs> And none of that, none of that, none of that changes our assignment while we're here on earth, which is to love the Lord, to live for him and to love others. And so the rapture is foolishness to those who don't believe in God. It's absolute foolishness. And even some professed Christians say it's, it's just a metaphor or it's wishful thinking. It's escapism from the coming persecution of the great tribulation. Did you know another word for wishful thinking is hope? Um, Paul concludes his description of, of the rapture in First Thessalonians chapter 4 with the charge to encourage one another with what this news is, with what he has written. Encourage means to provide hope to one another.
1: Yeah, and you know, hope is one of those words. Uh, I, I didn't teach on this one in our study of biblical words, but hope is one of those words that biblically means something different than we than what our, the way we use it in our normal terminology in our conversations on a day-by-day basis. This is the way we use hope. Well, I sure hope that happens. I'm hoping that happens. And what that is, is we have a wish. You know, we wish. Uh, It may happen, it may not, but we wish it. Hope in the biblical sense means this, confident assurance they say assurance. assurance assurance confident assurance so hope is something that we know is going to happen it's something that we know and 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 so uh, you know as we look forward uh, to that day we're not just you know we have hope we not well I hope that God does come I hope this is real what the hope that we have is I know this is real and, and so therefore I'm resting in my hope. The Bible tells us to rest in hope. And, and so we're able to be untroubled on the inside, even when things are going crazy on the outside, because we know our savior has it all in his hands and he's coming back for his, for his children.
0: That's right. That's right. And there's nothing wrong with encouraging one another. That's there's right. nothing wrong with providing hope that we will either be with the Lord after our physical death or we'll be caught up or our pot. Rapturo raptured before then. So the rapture can be a mystery to unbelievers and to believers. It can be a mystery who don't study the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those who do study the, the Bible and believe, the only mystery is about the rapture. The only mystery of the rapture is about when will it happen. And that's not for us to figure out.
1: No, there's people that spend so much time trying to figure out when all this is going to, occur and and i'm i'm with you uh i can sit down and and i can i can spend all of my time trying to figure that out uh when the lord says when i return the what i would like to find you doing when i return is is feeding uh feeding the servants of the house of god and ministering to them and loving on them um not studying charts and other things. And if you're a chart person, please, I don't mean that bad. I, I'm just saying, I'm not worried about when it's going to happen because all I'm concerned about is, is the fact that I know I'm going.
0: So basically we just need to make sure we're, we don't need to be concerned about when the rapture is going to happen. We just need to make sure that our lamps are full of oil and that our wicks are trimmed. Our flame is bright mm-hmm. and that we're ready that we're ready
1: Exactly. And you know, everyone out there, um, we just want to say, we do, we do really care about you. And now you say, you don't even know me. Well, you know, I don't have to know you to, to have a value on you. Uh, see, we look at it from this framework, Jesus died for you. Mm -hmm. And, And what that means is that means that he loves you. And that means you have a high value. What price can you put on the, the, the blood of of God himself it means you have high value and and he loves you. And when he started pouring his love out on us, then all of a sudden we we feel love for you. And so mm-hmm. so we're just we're here for you. Uh, if there's anything we can do for you, please, please get a hold of us at info at capstone.church. And uh, we would love uh, to converse with you and 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 we will be praying for you. Yes, we will.
0: Well, okay. Thank you so much for watching and for listening. Uh, Please share with your friends and your coworkers if you like it. Um, And remember, if you do have another topic that you'd like for us to talk about, same email address, info at capstone.church. So until next time, stay in the word, stay alert, and be not deceived.